In the words of Public Enemies, Chuck D. Bring the noise. Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this, this is what's good. Welcome, welcome, one and all. Hope everybody's had a good week. Uh, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a long week. It's been a long week for me. I've actually been in London for the past three days. Uh, well, well, I'm recording this on a Thursday, and from Monday to Wednesday, I was, I was in London. So I was in London for three days out of the week, and now I'm, and now I'm, now I'm here. In my room recording. So yes, uh, hope you hope everybody's had a good week. Like I said, um, my week's been pretty cool, pretty decent. I will be real. Um, formalities, uh, email, Twitter, IG, Facebook is all there on the description below. Wherever you're listening, uh, if you want to share the show in any form or fashion, I think that'll be much appreciated. I thank you in advance. Uh, so let's get into the show. It's felt like a while since I've done like a episode. I don't know why, but it just it's just felt like a really long time since the previous one. Uh, no idea, but anyway. So I usually record ready for a thir- ready to publish on a Thursday, and obviously I'm recording on a Thursday, so obviously be out the next day on Friday. But I wanted to uh, give it an extra day because the Brits was last night. Uh, Brits already come and gone. Uh, hosted by <laughs> uh, Jack Whitehall. Funny story. Um, uh, I actually asked. Uh, I gave my mum a little challenge. Uh, I said, "I said, oh mum, the Brits are on." She was like, oh, "Okay," and I said, uh, "Guess who's hosting?" And she was like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "All right, I'll give you a clue." I said, "I said to her, not James Corden, but just as terrible." And in literally like twenty seconds of like you know trying to. Uh, trying to think of the think of the person's name because she knew who I was talking about and she got it, it was Jack Whitehall. So uh, I, find, I found that quite funny. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't. In that case, with that said, I did not watch the Brits. Um, I, there is no way in hell I am watching uh, how many how many hours however many hours it was watching Jack Whitehall try and be funny. Can't can't be done. Not not about it. And also with adverts, no, no, it's just it's just not going to happen. So. Uh, the Brit Awards came and went, and uh, the the awards have been given out. So I thought, let's do what we usually do and get into uh, the uh, well. Award season's actually winding down now. We've got we've all all the main ones have gone now. It's just the Oscars uh, uh, left this Sunday, so that'll be fun for next week. But after that, we'll have uh, we'll have nothing, and I'll actually have to talk about other things. Oh wow, well. that's, that's going to be daunting. But okay. <laughs> Let's get into the Brits uh, uh, for now. So I'm going to go backwards in terms of importance, apparently. Uh, so outstanding contribution music went to Pink. Uh, British producer of the year went to Calvin Harris, and Brit's Global Success Award went to Ed Sheeran. Um, I have a lot of opinions about Ed Sheeran, uh, which I probably won't get into at the moment. But I just putting it simply, um, it, it's it's actually quite fascinating how he has become a you know absolute superstar of making songs that basically have the exact same subject matter every time it's it's absolutely amazing how he took one subject and has stretched out for three albums worth of content and you know millions of people enjoying his music and stuff like that i just find it absolutely outstanding outstanding finesse finesse job big up uh ed sheeran so, International Group went to the Carters. Um, I'm not surprised about that. Um, they actually uh, they actually made a little video of uh, uh, Beyonce and Jay Z. They made a little video of them, uh, you know, accepting the awards and a video package. And uh, it was like um, it was like in the vein of uh, the uh, the the I think it was the Apeshit video where they filmed it in the Louvre, and uh, in between them was a picture of uh, Meghan Markle looking royal. Uh, I thought that was a nice touch. So um, yeah, I saw that on social media. So big up, big ups to the Kyles. Um If out of the others, Brockhampton first aid kit. I've never heard of first aid kit. Uh, Nile Rodgers and Sheik and Twenty One Pilots. I mean, you can make a, you know, an argument for Brockhampton and Twenty One Pilots. Um, I don't listen to Twenty One Pilots, but I know they they've uh, 
they had a good year last year, so um, if it was any of them, uh, then them two I probably would have made made sense. But this is a very this is a very safe pick. So uh, yeah, I'm not surprised it's the cars. Uh, best well international female solo artist went to Ariana Grande, beating out Camila Cabello, Cabello, uh, Cardi B, Christine the Queens, and Janelle Monae. Uh, I mean personally, I'd go Janelle Monae, but I completely understand why they pick Ariana Grande. Big year for her last year, obviously, and she's continuing with that. Uh, she's continuing on that hype. International male solo artists went to Drake, being out Eminem, Kamasi Washington, Shawn Mendes, and Travis Scott. <sighs> yeah, this um, they're they're not really um sticking their neck out here, are they? The Brits really um, they're just picking the popular ones so far. It's just um, it's a bit it's a bit boring to be honest, but. Um, yeah, Drake's Drake, why not, I guess, give it to him, why not, popular, all that, uh, British video, could not care less, but, uh, it went to Little Mix featuring Nicki Minaj, haven't seen it, so I will not bother talking about it, uh, British single, Calvin Harris and Dua Lipa, One Kiss, uh, yeah, well, I talked about Dua Lipa last, uh, last week in the Grammys, so, uh, yeah, not gonna bother with that. Uh, Critics' Choice, Sam Fender. I think I, I think this has already been this was already sorted at, actually before the nominations. So it was actually uh, so to repeat, uh, Sam Fender being out, Louis Capaldi and Mahalia. I would have gone Mahalia in personally, but okay, I'll t- I'll just take that. I'll just I'll just take that one on the chin to be completely honest. Uh, British Breakthrough Act, uh, Tom Walker beating out LMA. Idols, Georgia Smith and Mabel. I I am utterly dumbfounded by this. This isn't even the safe pick. This is just the this is the I don't know why they picked this person pick. Like LMA, worldwide appeal. Uh, well, not worldwide appeal, but you know, Western world majority appeal. Georgia Smith, more of the same. Even Idols and Mabel, but Tom Walker. Hmm, I'm I'm not really I'm not really not really understanding that one. I, th- I think not, someone needs to talk to me about that one because do not understand that one at all. A British group went to the 1975. I have no comment on that. I really have no comment on any of the groups. Well, uh, I listen to Gorillas, but yeah, years and years, Little Mix, Art and Monkeys. I keep forgetting which. I, I keep forgetting, I keep mixing up years and years with 1975, which kind of says a lot about them. Uh, so, <laughs> to do that information, what you will. Uh, British male solo artist went to George Ezra. I mean, the f- the, the, the the list is kind of weak. Aphex Twin, really? Uh, Craig David, I mean, yeah, maybe two years ago, but now? Don't really understand that. Gigs? I mean, he dropped an album recently, but 2018, I didn't really hear from him, so... I don't know why he was on the British Melis Wars. And also Sam Smith, which, mm, yeah, I could understand it, but I, I mean, yeah, the, it's, it's, George Ezra had a really weak, you know, list to go against, to be honest. And I can understand why they picked George Ezra, but the others a bit, it's, it's a bit left field. And like, I don't really understand the nomina- from a nomination standpoint, let alone who won. So, yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a, that's a bit of a, a wash in terms of, um, uh, who was even nominated in general. Uh, last two British female solo artists went to Georgia Smith, which, again, like, just re- rehashing. So she wins female, but doesn't win British breakthrough. How how does that make sense? That's just logic. That's just logic. If you're going to give her the female, like, the over... She is the great... She's the best overall artist who just so happens to be female of the year, right? You give her that award. And you don't give a British breakthrough? It, it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense. Just to harp on that. But yeah. She'd be out, she'd be out Anne-Marie, uh, Florence Machine, Jessica Lily Allen, uh, Lily Allen. I think that was a lock, to be honest. Uh, was, out of most of the awards, that's probably the biggest lock out of all of them. Uh, you could say British breakthrough, but <laughs> funny how uh, upsets happen. And yeah, British Album of the Year. I think I remember this, uh, talking about this. So I was like, I really do not have anything to say about it other than Georgia Smith's Lost and Found and she didn't win it so it went to 1975 brief inquiry into the on, into online relationships yeah I, I, I like I said during the nominations I feel like either British music is at a lull at the moment or 
Um, I'm just not keeping pulse properly. Uh, it's one or the other, is, and you know, I probably will admit that it's probably me instead of you know the overall quality of music in Britain at the mo- at this com- at this exact moment. But yeah, just it's just, it's just it's just overall, I have like zero opinions towards most of those wars. <laughs> Then that kind of leaves me at a, uh, a little impasse, to be honest, and I might as well just continue because, yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it's pretty much how it is. Sometimes you know, you just you just see something and you're just like, this is dead. <laughs> this is dead. <laughs> anyway, um, let's get into sport. Let's, uh, let's switch up a little. Let's get into some sport. And uh, this is from a uh, I got this from a Guardian article that I read about recently, and. Uh, I actually watched a video by uh, Tifo Football. If you uh, if you uh, watch any of those videos, uh, they're actually very interesting in terms of. Uh, well, see, they talk about football, but they talk about it in a very essay kind of fashion. And um, they have this guy who's uh, just got very, um, you know, a very uh, unthreatening voice, and it's just very academic sounding. And uh, yeah, the way they the way they the way they do things visually is like drawn out, so it just looks very interesting uh, from a visual standpoint, and just from a storytelling standpoint they uh they have a really good knack for that so pick up the guys at tifo football and uh and this also uh barney roney's um guardian article this is about sports washing um titles called sports washing and the tangled web of europe's biggest clubs so basically this is a conversation about uh football at the moment where uh basically a basically the middle east you know you know there's a you know there's a rich um monarchies you know the uae saudi arabia etc dubai uh, abu dhabi you know just those those kind of places i know some of them are cities and some of them countries get off my back um that <laughs> uh, they you know they've been you know investing you know mad stupid amounts of money into football and the you know europe's best clubs you know etihad and man city uh, for example, so um, I think PSG as well have been bought, uh, were bought out as well. So you know these are these are some of Europe's biggest cl- football clubs, and they're being bought out by Middle Eastern clubs. And uh, there's a whole um, not ecosystem, but there's a whole uh, agenda, I guess. There's a whole agenda towards all, uh, the you know uh, pointing to all this, uh, and this is basically what sports washing is all about. So let's get into the article itself. Um, uh, subtitles: Governments wield power of many Champions League clubs, and the ties that bind owners, sponsors, and UEFA are striking. So let's get let's get into it. The game is about glory. A wise man once said, uh, "For many years, it has been about money too." Uh, right now, an updated version of Danny Blanchflower's famous quote would point out something else: that the game is also about politics and placement, about soft power, about presenting a face to the world. As the Champions League knockout stage kicks in, this element of big football is primed once again to take the main stage, the executive arm of a sport that has never looked so tangled. Here is an interesting circular equation. Manchester United are currently playing Paris Saint-Germain over two legs in the Champions League. Paris Saint-Germain are owned by Qatar. Qatar also sponsors Bayern Munich and Roma has a, foundation, has a quote-unquote foundation project with Real Madrid. Real Madrid are sponsored by the Emirates airline of the UAE. Another of the Emirates, Abu Dhabi, uh, owns Manchester City. Manchester City are taking on Schalke, who are sponsored by Gazprom, which is owned by Russia, which is in effect at war in Syria with Qatar, which is being blockaded by Dubai, which is a financial services partner of Manchester United whose opponents will be Paris Saint-Germain, who are owned by Qatar, which is pretty much where we came in. Let's just stop there. Do you see how, you know, just how fascinating, like, you know, how how linked everything is? And it's not even just with football. It's also linking to just geopolitics, which is absolutely crazy. And considering that sport, you know, sport, considering that football is the most popular sport in the world, you know, from a from a population standpoint and people that play it and, you know, and uh, consume it um, as fans, it's very interesting. And, um, you know, uh, people that are into football obviously know how corrupt FIFA is as a as a governing body. So, you know, throw that in the pot and you've just got a real, just 
just cluster of crazy, honestly. So uh, let's continue with the article itself. Confusing, isn't it? N- no, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty confusing. Uh, if only there were a single feature who could stand above and wade through all this confusion of interest. For example, NASA L. Kalifi, uh, the new member of UEFA's executive committee. Kalifi is also chairman of Beat in Sports, which plays UEFA for its Champions League TV rights. UEFA is investigating claims of financial fair play breaches by PSG, where where he is do keep up the club chairman. See, just just continues, just continues swirling. Um, another circle of life, another wheel within football's wheels. It would be pointed out. Uh, it should be pointed out the this is this isn't just a Gulf state thing. UEFA is also sponsored by Adidas, which owns a stake in Bayern Munich. Plus, of course, there is also a discreet PR mini industry dedicated to discrediting Qatar, with the distant goal of trying to scotch the the 2022 World Cup, an example of anti-sports washing against which every drip of negative coverage should be tested. And there is actually a very nice. Um, there's a couple of nice graphics on here on the article itself. So if you want to read this for yourself and look at the graphics, um, as you know, they try they basically have a map of Europe in a way and the European clubs playing in the Champions League, and uh, the links uh, that you know pertain to each club. So uh, they have U.S., they have Qatar here, Abu Dhabi, Israel, even, and also China is actually in this uh, mix as well. Malaysia, Bahrain, Russia, uh, and all the other uh, countries that, that have been mentioned. So if you want to uh, look all the um, the the graphics as well as the article itself. You can look up on the fifthelement.org.uk and read those as part of the uh, podcast uh, podcast article. So continuing on, uh, this is nothing new in itself. Sport has been bought, solved, fluffed, preened, primped, and generally co-opted by those in power ever since the f- it first appeared as a public spectacle. Show me a morally pure professional sport, I'll show you a professional sport that's clearly not doing it right. It took just four years for FIFA World Cup, uh, for FIFA's World Cup to experience its first mugging by tyrannical classes. Italy's 1934 tournament was fascism's great global coming out party, designed and staged by Benito Mussolini's chief spin doctor, Achille Storacci. Uh, yeah, Storacci, I said it right, there you go, first time. Also credited as the inventor of the straight arm salute. Funny, uh, how interesting. Like it or not, this has been uh, the way of things uh, to varying degrees ever since. Coercive interests are everywhere, from the barrage of commercial football clubs, club football sponsors, to the GB-branded triumphalism of London 2012, to the wonderfully clean and orderly Russia 2018 World Cup, a masterly PR exercise for the Putin regime. What is new that this process uh, that takes place is ever more complex and invasive in invasive ways. The phrase sports washing first cropped up in the pages in December uh, last year in a quote from Amnesty International of the ownership of Manchester City. It is a useful coinage capturing something deliberate and systemic, uh, a macro-level manipulation of sports status, sports status as the great shared global spectacle. Sports washing also uh, describes the way sport is used to launder a reputation, to gloss a human rights record, to wash a little blood away. The phrase itself involves a value judgment. It stems from a belief in moral absolutes. The idea we can say with certainty a particular ideology or regime should not be quote-unquote normalised by close association with sport. And there's also a quick guide here to Amnesty International's view of countries involved in the ownership, uh, if you want to see that as well. Some might argue otherwise, if an oil-rich state wants to buy instant access to the global leisure economy, then good luck to it. If the owner of Chelsea foresees the excellent reputational benefits of becoming a part of West London celebrity furniture, then just take the cash. Let he who is without a lucrative Saudi arms deal cast the first stone. Uh, Chelsea FC is owned by uh, Roman Abramovich, uh, excuse me, a Russian oligarch. Continuing on, plus ambitious carbon powers aren't the only problematic ownership model. I'm trying to burp as well, excuse me. (laughs) Uh, No doubt some would also identify hedge funds as immoral, extreme speculative capitalism that produces nothing but its own wealth. 
which has no function beyond making the rich into the super rich. Uh, US hedge funds have often used sport to present a softer face to the world. Liverpool and Roma are among Champions League Star 16, owned by friendly US capitalists. It, it, it is a vantage point that tends to spin moral compass around in circles. How can we object to Arsenal taking money from the oppressive regime of Rwanda and not object to Stan Kroenke donating $1 million to the oppressive regime of Donald Trump? If it's wrong for Manchester City to endorse the United Arab Emirates, how can it be fine to travel there on holiday or go there to cover a cricket tour or drive in an F1 race? Very good questions. Very, very good questions. Uh, worth thinking about. And so we reach a stalemate where no objection is free from whataboutery, uh, where no judgment holds up to scrutiny. There is a reason global sport seems to seem so baroque and impossibly complicated, because it's baroque and, sorry, I'll just say that again, because it's baroque and impossibly complicated. This is the real point here. It was the reaction to Amnesty's sports washing talk last December at a time when Abu Dhabi was under scrutiny for its treatment of Matthew Hedges, a British academic convicted of spying, that highlighted how impossibly con contorted this process has become. In the melee of shouted argument that followed, Manchester City became an unlikely muster point for discussions of the Emirati justice system. Some fans took the digital airways to, quote, back their man, unquote, to rubbish a concern at this incident as evidence of football-based bias. At first, it seemed absurd, a, will a mass willingness to follow the sport-washing tide. After a while, it felt like a case of being boxed in by, another larger, by other larger absurdities. What is the correct response to all this anyway? Um, actually, let me go ahead just to see how long this article is. And yeah, it's actually quite long. So let me just uh, wrap up uh, to um, the last few paragraphs. Okay. Uh, to give uh, these facts of ownership, partners and practices are presented simply as information, at the end of which two things leap out. First, the level of actual English interest in the world's top football club, uh, top club football is negligible. Not one of the four Premier League clubs involved in this majority owned by a company or individual based in the UK. There are no major UK sponsors. All England is really offering here is some staging, a little colour and heritage. The actual property is all located elsewhere. Beyond this, uh, beyond this, the world favourite sport has never looked so complex or, or so fretted with political interests. It is, of course, a personal choice where you draw the line on these issues, but it is worth knowing who wants it what in return for their own seat in the front row. <sighs> okay, so my take on this is basically that it's kind of a it's kind of the same conversation as it pertains to like um, art and the artist, you know. So you know, uh, when you listen to someone like you know Miles Davis or uh, or Elvis or um, actually Elvis is more a social social beacon. I say I'm t I'm talking about you know. People that have done actual abusive things, like Miles Davis, like James Brown, okay? We consider, we herald those two people, for example, you know, they're not the, you know, they're not gleaming examples, but they are examples nevertheless. There are examples of, you know, we love their art, but as people, they were pretty terrible, you know? And this is kind of the, sim the same thing, where you're not going to not watch football because um, a... Russian oligarch has bought a club. You know what I mean? You're not going to not you're not going to boycott football in general just because of this or just because of this. And once you allow one, you kind of just allow the rest. And I find that F1 point actually quite fascinating because there is a you know, when I watch F1, sometimes there are moments where I cringe because there are, you know, they they go they don't go to places like Abu Dhabi. They have recent, more recently, gone to Russia and Sochi uh, for the worst, the worst uh, tracks. One of the worst tracks I've ever seen in terms of actual, you know, just aesthetically as a track itself and quality of racing. Sochi is terrible, but why are they there? Because of dollar, F one and as evidently football 
as a you know as a sport and as a motorsport respectively they try to stay out of not even stay out of but they they willing they have willing for willful ignorance that's the word willful ignorance towards politics and towards what's actually going on in the world you know lewis hamilton shook hands with vladimir putin last year and i saw that and i was like huh that's interesting you know what i mean so um when you when you look at things like the, the nba it actually makes them gleam much more brighter because you know they have players that you know hail well flag up social issues in their country and you know if 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 they went to some if they even tried to go to somewhere like um like Abu Dhabi or Russia you know they they might have they might say something about it they might do they might say I might not go this is it's a possibility but then again uh, they regularly use China as a major as a major market to you know for their jerseys for their players and for their shoes so and China's pretty mm-hmm, so you know what I mean so um NBA isn't you know the gleaming beacon that I just said you know they 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 go to China uh, I think they go to the Philippines on the regular on the regular they you know they have they have contacts there um they they're going to they they're starting a league in Africa and Africa has its own problems you know uh, politically so I forgot I forgot the particular countries they're going to I don't have them up at the top of my head but they are going to Africa they are you know they're creating a league there which is great you know amazing for people in Africa that want to play basketball on a professional level and gives this gives them this pathway and I'm kind of you know getting off track here but I'm I'll come back to it and um but but you know like I said Africa has its own problems uh, you know culturally and also politically so you can't sometimes you can't get away from it if you want to expand you need to overlook and uh you need to it, it comes it comes up to a point where you have to ask yourself and it has to be an individual question to yourself i don't think you can do this from a uh, as a widespread argument and you know you can do these articles like like the article like similar to the articles i just read but it's up to you to make an individual decision I don't think you can, you know, tell people in England to stop watching football because, you know, four of the uh, four of the best teams in 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 England are, you know, owned by people not in England. You know what I mean? It's something worth thinking about, and it's something really worth having a discussion about, especially having a dialogue about. But are you going to not watch football because of it? Of course not. Of course you're not. Don't be silly. It's England. You think English people ain't watching football? No. And another thing that um, this article probably actually wrote about, but you know, obviously, I couldn't go through it all just for just for time reasons. But um, obviously, the twenty twenty two World Cup is a very is a very uh, it's like a flashpoint for sports washing. Because the reason, you know, part of the reason why they are doing all this, why, you know, uh, Abu Dhabi, uh, Naida Arab Emirates, Qatar, uh, Israel, China, Russia, the reason why they are doing sports washing, the reason why they're doing these kind of things, buying out, uh, you know, the top European clubs, the reason why is to, in the long run, uh, create a possibly create their own leagues if they don't have if they haven't done already i think you know i think saudi arabia or i think it's either saudi arabia or the arab emirates or, or already have their own leagues and actually starting to poach you know latin american players and european players i think they've already started on that similar to how you know uh china has already done it um and uh yeah so it's all a long-term game to get out of um, you know, you know the oil game. If they're trying to get out of the oil game, or you know stuff where it's not sustainable, they're instead trying to make a completely different avenue, uh, 
of you know money and economy and get into sport and the way they can do this is by using the wealth they have right now and buying out these clubs you know putting their Qatar on Qatar on you know football shirts that you see on the regular or you know just the fact that they're owners and they buy players and you know they take pictures with these players with their new shirts you know it all it's all a you know a long-term game the sports washing is a long-term game and you know it's not just football I kind of I kind of named the NBA as a as a low-key sports wash um, but it's obviously not as egregious as this um, this is just super glaring you know what I mean but um uh, you know, NBA is, um, they're, I think they're looking into potentially having their first Chinese owner. Uh, but the majority of their owners are American. So, you know, in that case, they're in, in that sort of um, realm, they haven't uh, reached that point of sports washing like football has. But it is certainly something worth thinking about. And... You know, obviously, and like I said, the 2022 World Cup, it really is the flashpoint for all of this and the, the beacon of sports washing that they managed to get this bid, however legitimate or illegitimate it was uh, that they got the bid, um, they are still, it is going ahead. And it's, um, it's something that is, uh, uh, it's, it, the whole thing is something worth thinking about for sure. But, um, at the end of the day, it is football, it is sport, and as long as the as long as the quality of the the quality of play is there on the field, then people probably won't care, you know. So it's it's uh, it's something to um it's something to think about for sure, something to think about for sure. So um yeah, so uh, let's continue. So let's continue to to next uh, to the next point or next uh, next uh, what do I call it segment that's it I call it segment <laughs> um, so I wanted to um, talk about something quite fun actually so this is a quiz that I've actually done twice already um, well not me personally I actually haven't done it yet uh, I've done it to my mum and a friend and I just find this quiz very fascinating so this is the British and Irish dialect quiz. This is by the New York Times, and um, it just—it's uh, actually quite a very—it's it's a very fascinating uh, quiz. Like I said, uh, getting into the British dialect, and they give you twenty-five questions, um, asking you know multiple, some multiple choice, some just you know uh, pick t- pick one uh, out of two, uh, or you know they have different methods of doing it and uh yeah i thought it was uh i thought it was quite fascinating so i urge you to take it um i would love to see you guys is um uh, uh if, you, if you live in britain anyway and you have and you have a british slash irish dialect um i'd like to see your results because uh I, f- I found this quite fascinating so let me get let me get into it and uh i'll just uh go through the options that i that i'm given uh, as I go through the quiz, and we'll see how it goes. See if it, uh, see if they get it on uh, on points. Uh, for for you know, for background, I was born in London, and I live and I've lived in Essex for most of my life. So, um, you know, if you want your Google Maps, do your Google Maps. It's basically, I lived in I've lived in east of England, and also obviously the south for you know a good three years in Southampton. But I highly doubt I'll, I highly doubt I've uh, uh, learned any dialects uh, there. So. <laughs> Let's just assume uh, east, east, southeast of England. So, so let's go. Question one of twenty-five. How do you pronounce the words "full" and "fool"? Uh, obviously, I said they sound different to me, uh, they, but they have also they sound the same because some dialects say "full and fool," "fool and fool." Um, so, uh, it, for me, for me, they sound different. So let's click that. How do you pronounce scone? Rhymes with bone or rhymes with gone? Obviously, I just said scone because it rhymes with bone. And, you know, the re- I get why people say scone, but it is scone. It should logically be scone because there's an E in it. If it was, you know, if it if it had no E, um, I would say scone because it looks like scone. 
uh, without the e, but it has e, so I say scone, and it rhymes with bone. So, and if you if you're on the other side, you're crazy. Uh, what do you call the small grey bug that curls up into a ball when it's touched? So, the factual name for this insect is wood woodlouse or woodlice uh, if you're going plural. Um, so, <laughs> they have it here, uh, and it's only one you get to pick. But they have so many different ways of calling it. I have, I, I have no idea who these people are that are calling it these. Uh, these, and they also have woodlouse as a option, and that's what I'm going to pick. But let me just get into the rest, and uh, and yeah, it's it's it's, it's crazy how, disc- how descriptive, how de- um, uh, how descriptive and uh, how imaginative uh, people can be. Uh, so we have Slater. Roly poly. Okay, uh, a grub. What? What? Chicky pig. The f- What's a chicky pig? That ain't a woodlouse. Uh, potato bug. Centipede. Well, that's just rust wrong. A centipede's a centipede. A woodlouse a woodlouse. You can't. You can't go to woodlouse a centipede. That's just illogical. Uh, it's stupid. But anyway, um, a Billy Baker. Where are these names? Where are these coming from? Monkey pea. Chucky pig. Cheesy bug, pill bug. I don't know what that is. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good option. I'm glad they have that. Uh, a granny gray, a pea bug, a fat pig, a cheese log, and a hairy molly. See, if you weren't in, if you weren't in, even if you were in, if you lived in England, you must find these weird. And if you're not English or or, or British or Irish. You must find us creepy as hell if you're if you're if we're calling a woodlouse a chicky pig. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna continue to pick woodlouse. Um, which of these words, if any, would you use for? And I love these. I love how they describe these uh, people. Uh, how they describe these terms, which is uh, I, I respect the effort put into this. Uh, a young person characterized by brash, loutish behaviour. And often low social status, so that's quite specific, and I and I and I, like, I respect that. Uh, I call it a chav. Well, I don't call it a chav personally. I call them utes. And there's also for some of these, uh, you can submit your own. So I'm just going to type up utes right here. There we go. And uh, they also have chav here, but um, let's go through the others. Uh, Kev, no idea. Uh, Scally, Smick, uh, Skanger, Aguria, Yob. I've heard of Yob. Uh, scumbag, which is just a bit too on the nose in my, for my liking. Um, a stig, spied, a lout. I've heard of lout, I think. Uh, Chav, of course. Ned, towny. I've heard of towny. And Chava or Charver, uh, with A at the end or E at the end. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and pick Chav and also put, put Utes as well, so submit my own. Uh, how do you pronounce the words door and poor? Uh, for me, they rhyme, but for some reason, uh, for some people, they do not rhyme. Which is weird, so they rhyme for me. Uh, this one's great, and I feel like this is something that is very British specific, uh, and uh, British and Irish specific. So if you're um, uh, maybe maybe they do play this game. Maybe they do play these games uh, in other countries. Uh, I guess in, I guess uh, for most Americans it'll probably be like tag, but um, it's basically what is the name for the playground playground game. In which one child chases the rest, and anyone who is touched becomes the pursuer. So actually, I used to call it stuck in the mud, um, because part of the the way we played it uh, back in my school was that whenever you get touched, uh, you don't become the pursuer. Um, you actually like stop and get quote unquote stuck in the mud, and the only way you can keep moving is. Um, uh, you're you're able to keep moving is if someone who hasn't been touched yet, who hasn't been like you know caught yet, uh, has to uh, crawl under your legs, and you have to have your legs wide open so they can crawl under them, and because of that they can continue. And yeah, it's kind of um, it's kind of a law of averages. So you need to get the right people to you know to be um, the the chasers because if it's just one person, like six people, obviously it's going to be very hard to win the game. So um, that's how we played that and. As it pertains to uh, when one child chases the rest and anyone who's touched becomes a pursuer, the only game that I played that was similar to this was, uh, uh, we called it Bulldog. So the way we played Bulldog was basically, 
it was kind of a class PE game, and uh, I was actually a beast at it, not to toot my own horn, but I was an absolute beast at it. Um, <laughs> basically, you know, you know, most classes in Britain are like, you know, around the 20, 30 mark. Um, <laughs> Lord knows if the numbers have risen. Um, and uh, basically they had like, uh, they start with one person, and uh, you have like a, you know, you know, you have like a, f like flag football, um, if you if you've heard of that, um, if you're in America, um, you know you have like the little strips on the side of your shorts. Um, if someone whoever starts that, uh, whoever takes that, they they also become a pursuer. Uh, and the way the game works is that they everyone starts at the end of the field, and have to run to the other side of the field, uh, and obviously not get caught. And they keep doing this, going back and forth until everyone obviously gets caught, and uh, whoever makes it uh, across the field, beating everyone else out, not getting caught, is the winner. And not to my own horn, but I won several times. Big up myself. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, just, long story short, I call it, I call it, I call it either Stuck in the Mud, Bulldog, but they also have It, which is basically the game that I'm thinking of uh, as well. But they also have Chase or Chasey's, Tick, Tag, also Tag's a very, very popular one, Hit, Tuggy, uh, had, which is very basic, uh, he, like H-E, he, don't know why, uh, Dobby, catch, chasing, very basic, Tig, tip, Tiggy, and also touch. Uh, I'm gonna, f I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw in stuck in the mud, just to just be different, um, but also, uh, there are obviously more relevant ones there as well, uh, but I can pick multiple choice, so I'm just gonna go with stuck in the mud and throw it in there. Uh, what do you call it when a person gets a ride on the back of someone else's bicycle? Ah, this is very interesting. I actually don't know, so let's uh, let's get into this one. Uh, I don't think I've see seen this one yet. Uh, Cog, CT, uh, no. Paggy, Croggy, Tan, Backy, Pag, Peggy, uh, Carrie, Jaunt, Sadder, Saddler, uh, Buggy, Piggyback. Uh, piggyback's quite, quite a popular one. Uh, Bug. A bunk, sorry, bunk, uh, double, backer, coggy, uh, seater, I have no word for this, crogger, takey, dubby, pillin, dubby. I don't think I have a word for that, for that, honestly. I really don't think I have a word. Because, you know, I used to hop on, like, you know, you know when you hop on, like, someone's BMX and they have, like, the, the pegs on the back. I don't think I called it anything. We just topped on. You know what I mean? Like, catch a ride, you know, just... Don't know. I don't. I don't think I have a word for it. So I'm going to pick that. Um, which of these options, if any, would you use as a general word for the outer garment for the lower half of the body, with individual <laughs> individual leg parts reaching to the ankle? That's amazing. So um, <laughs> that's an amazing description of of trousers or jeans. Um, jeans, kex, kex, pants, slacks. Very American. Uh, strides, breeches. <laughs> Very oldie, very old timey. Trousers, breeks, trackies, bottoms, trues, trousers. Um, so I have several here. I call, I've, you know, it depends what it, what they are. So if it's a tracksuit, you can call them a trackie. Um, if you call them, if if they're like um, smart, if they if it's like smartwear, it's like part of a suit. I call them trousers. But if they're jeans, obviously like denim, I call them jeans. Um, I don't call them pants. I don't really, I don't like. I find pants as underwear. Um, I find that's my logic. So I'll pick jeans, trousers, and trackies. Um, but yeah, yeah. Is is also bottoms as well. Um, I've heard I've heard that as well. But I don't personally use it. But I I've, I know people who use it. Um, but yeah, I'll go with them three: jeans, trousers, and trackies are, my, are the ones I use for different types of um of uh, the outer garments for the lower half of the body which individual leg parts reaching to the ankle <laughs> um very specific uh, description um so let's continue question 9 which of these words would you use to refer to as a friend uh, a yes sir no uh, buddy mate mucker pal mara buddy chum lad man bro bud dude brethren uh, i'm going to throw in bro right there uh, brethren. <laughs> nah, I know I know what brethren is, but I don't use brethren. <laughs> uh, bro, yeah, mate for sure. I use mate a lad uh, a lot. Um, lad, 
Mm, nah. I think that's more plural for me, like lads or the squad, you know what I mean? Uh, but not through like a one friend, you know what I mean? So mate and bro will probably be the ones I pick. Um, you know, I've heard of some of the others. Never heard of Mara. Uh, never heard of Mucker or, or Butty. But the rest I've pretty much heard in some sort of fashion. Or Yes Sir. Don't know what the hell Yes Sir is. You're right, Yes Sir. What? What? Doesn't work. Doesn't make sense. Uh, continuing. Continuing on. Question 10. Uh, which of these words, if any, would you use for someone who you think is stupid? Dope, pillock, thick, dummy, eejit. <laughs> I love eejit. Uh, idiot, twip. I don't know what a twip is. T-W-P. I don't know if that's a misspelling, but yeah, it's weird. Uh, plank, numpty, gowl, wazzock, dose, moron, burk, melt. <laughs> I haven't used melt in years, but uh, <laughs> I have used melt before. Uh, idiot is a regular one. Um, dumb. Throwing dumb there. Just type that one in. Uh, dumb. Um, thick, mm, I've heard it before, you know, obviously, thick, are you thick, like, um, I've heard of most of these before, to be honest, but I don't use them, I've used melt before, I've used idiot before, and I'll throw in dumb as well, uh, but yeah, the rest of them are kind of, are kind of universal, in some form or fashion, but, um, yeah, let's continue on that, uh, which of these words would you use for a baby? Uh, this is, this is... I'm just gonna type up baby because I don't have <laughs> I don't have a way of calling uh, a baby. Uh, they have Baba, kid, Wean, Nipper, Wean, uh, Wean with spelled with W E A N instead of W E E uh, apostrophe U N. Uh, Sprog, Babby, Ban, Babe, Bab, little one. So I'm just gonna type up baby right here and just uh, continue on my life. <laughs> Question: two, You can tell I don't have any children or don't know any children. Uh, question twelve: Which of these words would you use for feeling cold? Uh, I'm just gonna t- I'm just gonna click freezing, and uh, continue there. But we also have brass monkeys, Baltic, Arctic, Arctic, uh, perishing, Nesh, Parky, founded, chilly, nithered, and nippy. Um, yeah, I've used none of those. Um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm just gonna go with freezing, chilly. Uh, you know, you could say chilly. I c- I, yeah, I can see that, but I don't use that personally um so i'll just go with freezing and continue on there how do you refer to your mother i'm um, just gonna say mum and continue on there but they also have ma'am more mommy old lady old one a-u-l-d i think that's i don't know if that's gaelic uh, gaelic or gallic whatever you want to say and or i don't know irish maybe scottish even i don't know uh mammy mom mum oh dear mummy mama and ma so yeah that's uh uh, pretty much the same all round, but um, I'm just going to go with mum, because I just call my mum mum. Uh, 14. Which of these words were used for a heavy rainfall? This is great. I really enjoy this one. Uh, tipping down, pouring, bucketing down, chucking it down. I say chucking it down. Uh, raining cats and dogs. Very London, that one. Uh, pelting down, lashing, pissing down, or throwing it down. Um... I'm just going to say chucking it down, and I've heard of all of these, and I find that quite funny, the fact that they actually have all of these, but yeah, I'm just going to go chucking it down. Uh, which of these words would you use for running water smaller than a river? Trickle, brook, I'm going to say brook, uh, creek, I've heard of creek, uh, rivulet, shuck, stream, ditch, dike, burn, or beck. Um, I haven't heard of a couple of these, I don't know why you call them the dike, a river, uh, something smaller than river. Uh, I get stream. That's probably the most logical one. Excuse me, the most logical one. But uh, I'm gonna go with brook because uh, I actually have a brook down the road, and uh, we've called it brook ever uh, ever since. Uh, so yeah, question sixteen. How would you pronounce the words food and good? <laughs> For some reason, I tried to make it rhyme. Because uh, I'm an idiot, so um, they do not rhyme. Just for um, future reference, food and good do not rhyme. <laughs> so let's continue on for that uh, for that gaff. Uh, how would you refer your grandmother? Um, I used to call my uh, mine um, uh, Nan, so I'm just going to pick Nan there. But they always have Nane, Nanny. Oh, actually, I said Nanny as well. Uh, Mamgu, don't know. Mam, Gram, Nana, Grand, Granny, and also Grandma. Uh, but I go with Nan and Nanny. Uh, this one's very, uh, this one's very, um, 
herky-jerky, so st- bear with me on this one as I explain it, as I explain the options. So the question is, how do you explain, how do you pronounce the A, letter A, in sound in last? So they have sounds like the A sound in father, so last father. Uh, sounds like the A sound in cat, so last cat. The A in cat, father, and last all sound the same. I I don't know how that would work. Last cart, uh, last cart and father. I guess if you're mad posh. Um, uh, and and they also have sounds like the A sound in cat. It sounds like neither the A sound in cat nor the A sound in father. So, um, cat, father, and how do you say, how would you say last if it doesn't sound like either? I don't know, but for me, last and father is basically how I'd say it. So let's just continue on with that one. It's very complicated that one, but I, I get why they're asking it. Uh, which of these words would you use for a child's soft shoes worn for PE? Uh, now, this is very primary school. This is very back in the day. I used to call them plimsolls, always called them plimsolls. But they also have running shoes, pumps, shoes, daps, gutties, sand shoes, tennis shoes, sannies, sneakers. They're not sneakers. Uh, slippers, trainers, they're not trainers. Gym shoes, I could understand why you call them gym shoes. Uh, plimsolls, runners, or tackies. But th- th- yeah, this this sets apart a lot of cu- a lot of counties and uh, and areas. Uh, this is very, this will be very diverse. Uh, whoever picks these ones, so um, uh, this sets this sets apart like the southerners from the northerners. You know what I mean? And f- like from the Welsh people to the Scottish. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna go with plimsolls. Which of these words would you use for a piece of long cushion furniture in the main room of a house? So a sofa, basically. No, so and they also have sofa here, so I'm gonna put all the sofa. But they also have armchair, which is not a, an armchair for me. It's like a single seater, so you could say it. But they say long cushion piece furniture, long long cushion furniture. So they mean more than one seat. So with that said, it's a sofa and not an armchair. Uh, divan, lounge. Couch, settee, suite, Chesterfield, very old, uh, chaise lounge, <laughs> very posh, or seat, but um, logically it is a sofa. As you pronounce them, do the words farm and palm rhyme? So farm like chickens, you know, chicken farm, and palm, the palm of your hand. Uh, yes, they do rhyme. Uh, how do you pronounce the words horse and horse with an A? So horse like nay horse the animal or horse like my throat is horse, uh, they sound the same to me. Continuing, uh, which of these words would you use for not showing up for school or work? Uh, this is very diverse, very diverse, very very diverse. Uh, for me, it's probably um, probably skip skip school. You know, just skip school. Uh, that's probably how I how I did it, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, a lot of people in my area say skive off as well. Uh, but they also have on the duck, dog off, play hooky. Uh, that's very American. On the dag, sounds Irish. Uh, on the hop, wag off. On the beak, don't know how that makes sense. Uh, Mitch, dog it, ditch. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm afraid, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick ditch as well. I say I'll probably say ditch. Yeah, you want to ditch it? Yeah, let's ditch it. Uh, Dos, uh, I've heard as well. Uh, bunk off, definitely heard of that. Yeah, definitely heard of that. It's very southern. Uh, skip, skive off, twag, and nick off. So I'm gonna pick ditch and skip. And just continue on there. Uh, 24, it's a penultimate question. How do you pronounce the t- words but and put? Um, so, obviously, they don't, don't rhyme to me. And the last question, uh, how do you refer your grandfather? Uh, I have, My granddad, my grandparents died before I was even born, so I never had the opportunity to say whatever, which one of these. So I'm not really going to pick. I'm just going to pick none of these. But they also have Pop, Grandpa, Gramps, Tadku, don't know what dialect that is, uh, Grandar, uh, Grandpa, Tade, again, what, Grandad, uh, Grampy, Papa, Bampy, or Dad. Why would you call Grandad Dad? Doesn't make sense, but yeah, because I never had, never lived, because my grandfathers never lived to see me, I'm just going to put none of these and just continue and just finish the quiz. So now my map is very, very, um, uh, very southern. Uh, it's more, uh, it's very eastern, very east. Very, it's very, it's very where I'm at. 
that's actually quite on point to be completely real with you. Uh, so big up the New York Times actually. It's a uh, is um actually quite interesting. So um, uh, they have Bournemouth here as um the most uh, for some reason. So I guess I'm more closer to Bournemouth than any other place, which is weird. Um, so uh, they they ask you to put where you're from to make the quiz better. Uh, but yeah, it's uh it's very interesting, and uh, I thought it was quite fun to do on here. Um, and uh, they also have like some added details to um certain ones so like the plimsolls one like i said is very e- it's actually very eastern uh they got a very 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 eastern bit of south bit of south as well um but yeah it kind of divots um in the south and also doesn't touch wales at all uh so yeah it's very midlands very eastern uh southeast england as well uh so yeah it's quite, that's, i thought i found that kind of fascinating I uh, found the whole quiz kind of fascinating, and uh, yeah, if you want to know, uh, if if you're not even English, and you want to know people's dialect, then get on, get on that and see see uh, see the options. And uh, if you're if you're British and Irish, I urge you to take the quiz and uh, lash me those lash me those results, uh, screenshot those, because it is very fascinating uh, to me anyway. I don't know if it's fascinating to you, and if it wasn't, you're probably not even listening to this. So, uh, uh, yeah, so you know moving on the last thing i wanted to talk about um is the film and tv segment actually technically um and it has to do with uh jussie smollett so um i didn't I've, i could have obviously talked about this last week or even the week before to be honest but i kind of as as it you know as uh, more details came out uh, I just uh, thought that I would just leave it alone for a while, just let it marinate, and just uh, see how the story would unfold. And um, it's kind of uh, come to a conclusion in some way. It probably hasn't, to be honest. And I, if uh, if uh, if I'm a, if I was a journalist, then I probably still wouldn't talk about it in this uh, definitive fashion. But I feel like uh, it's been going on long enough to actually have an opinion on it and uh and uh be uh you know have a well-rounded opinion of sorts on it so if you don't know the story or like i don't know what you're doing i mean how have you not heard of it it's kind of a it's kind of a crazy story to be honest so you know as the i'll go chronologically of how the story panned out so the first instance of the story was that Jussie Smollett went to, um, by the way, Jussie Smollett is an actor, by the way, uh, from America, American actor, singer, uh, most notably on t- uh, the, <coughs> the uh, Fox show Empire, a uh, very popular show uh, a few years ago, kind of, I don't know the ratings, but um, uh, I, I've stopped watching it, so um, that's, that's, but that's just me, obviously, maybe it's still popular, I don't know. And uh, yeah, so he's a you know he's a good actor, he's a great singer, um, and has been like a activist for gay rights, and uh, and uh, is a proud um, black and uh, gay person. So um, the news came out a few weeks ago that he was um, that he apparently was hospitalized hospitalized uh, by two men uh, screaming, "This is MAGA country." Uh, and actually was poured uh, a pour, had a substance poured on him that he suspected to be bleach um and also had a noose tied around his neck um as well and uh, basically left there uh, assaulted and was obviously hospitalized so that was the story at first and uh he actually got out of uh, hospital pretty quickly uh, after like a few days a couple of days and actually went to a show in LA and there was this uh, viral video that went round where, like, he was talking to them, going like, you know, being very defiant, and you know, jokingly said, "I'm the gay Tupac," which was just like it was just it was a bit of a sigh moment. And I was going to add it onto some extra thoughts uh, on a previous episode, but I just decided not to because it was just ugh, corny, um, and just <laughs> I just got over it quite quickly, honestly. But yeah, still just thinking about it, it's just like, did you have to? I know you're joking, but Ugh, yuck. But anyway, so yeah, I by that point we thought we thought it was all over, and you know everyone, every celebrity that knew him was like posting about it, like you know justice for Jussie and you know 
all that stuff and you know i'm being supportive and you know flagging up the justice system and you know hate crimes you know and this is a very serious thing it was basically a hate crime on the face of it but then about a week later after the attack itself rumors started to swirl and um it just all started to fall apart the story itself started to fall apart so the first thing was that the attackers were not identified like explicitly i think the only thing chicago P- police had at the m- had as as evidence was um some uh i think it was either cctv footage or just like pictures of cctv um of uh, the people in the area not actual on the scene not pictures of the scene but pictures of the surrounding area and the only people that were there at that time were two black people um so it kind of just it was kind of just starting to unravel and then after that it was uh it started to get into um that it would the, the two black people were actually some uh extras on empire and they actually knew jussie so they started getting questioned and uh, that started unraveling and then it started to become a question of was this staged and then everyone basically you know called basically you know the reason why you know again i repeat this is i don't i didn't want to, to talk about this in such a definitive way and obviously the story is still evolving uh, actually today he has been i think today or yesterday he has actually been arrested um as part of like a um uh, on charges of um uh, wasting police time in you know not the untechnical layman's terms um so yes yeah, he has been arrested he has had much mug shots taken so yeah at that point at this point he has fully reversed uh, but it's still evolving i just want to say that um you know unequivocally but at that point, you know, when when the rumors of that it was staged, uh, people just started um, people just started uh, reversing. You know, the memes started coming through. Lion King, uh, Lucius Lion, ha, because li- he's because he's a liar. Um, there was also uh, I think Fifty Cent actually posted a picture of um, Tupac's All Lies on Me uh, album cover, and it had Jussie Smollett's face, and it was all lies on me. That was quite fun. That was quite funny. But, you know, Fifty Cent is nearing nearing a. How old is that dude now? And he's still posting the most petty petty memes of all time. But anyway, continuing. Um, yeah. So this whole story has been kind of weird. Uh, kind of uh, and you know, again, allegedly, this is all not fact yet. This is still ongoing, still evolving. But if he did do this. This is a very, this was a very stupid plan on his part. A very, very stupid plan. Let's, let's be real. Let's think about it. You know what I mean? Like, you got two of your ex, of two extras on your show, uh, that were black to mug you, basically, and to perform a hate crime on you. That's, that's, that's stupid. That's, that's a very stupid, uh, way of doing it. Like, it's 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 very ch- it's a very it's like a twelve year old fo- formed this plan. You know what I mean? As a plan to stage something, stage a hate crime, which I'm which I'm not condoning, by the way. There's enough hate crimes going on. You don't need to stage one. Um, <laughs> actually, I think I saw a statistic. Um, I think the number is twenty one thousand, like hate crimes in the past. Um, in America, anyway, in the past, like uh, I think six years, and uh, hoaxes as this might be. Um, it's a, in, it's under a hundred, so you know the numbers are pretty, the numbers are pretty stacked on the factual part. So um, yeah, it's a it's a very very weird um, story, and if there are any updates by next week, I will give I'll I'll let you guys know, but I'll, I'll probably let you guys know on the extra thoughts of next week, uh, simply because the Oscars obviously on Sunday. And you know your boy is going to cover that uh, next week on What's Good. So, uh, but with that said, this has been What's Good for this episode, uh, episode 14. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, again, formalities. Uh, got the email, got the Twitter, IG, Facebook. It will all be there. Uh, all the articles will be um, 
Uh, all the articles will be on the Fifth Element uh, site, fifth ele- the5th element dog.uk. Uh, it will be on the article version of this, uh, along with the embedded uh, show via Audio Boom and um, also the you know, all the other details that go along with the description on and whatever platform you listen to. So, uh, yeah, I uh, hope you guys have a good week. Um, I'm going to try and uh, get back to you next Thursday and uh, instead of Friday. Uh, Oscars, eee! Oscar uh, and award season is going to finally be over. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed my award season coverage um, and my, and my uh, uh, outlandish opinions and, on, and all that stuff. But yes, this has been What's Good from the Fifth Island Podcast Network. This has been What's Good. I have been Charlie Taylor. I hope you guys have a good week. And I'll see you guys next week. Take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.